I come from a very colorful culture. Many of my clients who are POC or, or, or not, like, you know, they come from very colorful cultures themselves, whether they're yeah. immigrants or children of immigrants or whatever. But they've kind of been forced to like subdue that and like kind of suppress that to fit into certain environments, right? But yes. I want them to bring that out in their shoots because that, you know, your, your culture and your background is part of who you are and it's part of your story. It's your strength. Let's bring that in. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Campfire Circle. I'm your host, Tanya Bhattacharya, and I empower purpose-driven women in building influential personal brands that drive change and raise revenue. We all talk about getting a seat at the table, but why though? Who wants to sit in a stuffy boardroom anyway? Let's reimagine the ultimate space of leadership as a campfire circle, where we share stories that inspire movements, build brave communities to huddle together with for warmth, and where there is always room. Come sit with us. So Raj Bandhavadhai is a personal brand photographer based out of New York City. He works with entrepreneurs, authors, and speakers who want to live on their own terms, helping them convey their beautiful, complex, multifaceted stories on camera. He believes that being authentic and vulnerable is the only way to build deep, meaningful relationships with your audience, stand out from the crowd, and build a powerful brand. And hey, I agree. Raj, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Me as well. And before I start asking you questions, can I just keep the spotlight for one second and tell you about my first personal branding experience? Yeah. So I hadn't even actually started my business yet. I was still in the ideation phase. I had a company name and a great idea, right? I was still fully employed and just trying to figure out like what the next step was. And I got some awesome advice from my friend, Karen, to actually invest in brand photography. And I was like, why? What, what is that, first of all? And why would I spend money on that when I can just have my hubby take a cute picture on his iPhone? And we'll be good to go, right? But, you know, I ended up going for it. And it's hard to overstate how impactful branding photography has been on my on my baby business. I mean, maybe, maybe not baby so much anymore, but my business. I mean, it really cemented like my, that strong brand, that strong credibility from day one, not only to my audience, right? This is an important point, not only to my audience, but to myself. Because when I got the photos back, I was like, oh yeah, that's a powerful entrepreneur. Like I didn't see it before. I didn't, I yes. certainly didn't believe it beforehand. Do you, do you hear stories like that all the time? All the time. Yes. And I think that is one of the under kind of stated benefits of photography that what you just met, what you just said, like seeing yourself, I get that so much. Like people look at their photos, especially early entrepreneurs or early speakers or authors, they look at their photos and they're like, whoa, I look like an entrepreneur. I look like an author. And the reason that is so powerful is that, you know, you can it's almost like, you know, compressing months of therapy into a single moment because you can spend a lot of time talking about it or like trying to write and convince yourself that you are a certain kind of person overcoming imposter syndrome, all of that. But when you see an image, somehow our human brain is designed to absorb visual information so quickly and efficiently, it kind of bypasses our conscious brain altogether. And whatever message, like that's why images, you know, people, you know, brands spent 
so much money on creating perfect images, whatever they want to convey, right? Because an image takes a fraction of a second to process, and whatever message you get from it gets into your subconscious brain, like bypasses all the conscious bullshit. So when you see an image of yourself looking like a certain way and your brain you know, tells that story to yourself, that goes deep into your brain faster than any amount of therapy can do. So I think that is, that is exactly what, you're, what you are, you're saying with that. Yeah, I love how you explain that because I think you're right. It, it surpasses the brain and the mind and settles into our body. It becomes an right. embodied practice. So yeah. that's, that's, that's powerful. Before we get too, too geeked out, I would love to just know your story. You know, you used to be a data scientist. Now you're a personal branding photographer. How did you, how did you get here? Tell me your journey. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you know, the, you know, the difference, the line between, you know, doing something courageous and doing something absolutely stupid is very, very fine. And I don't know which <laughs> side of this line I am on right now. We'll find out. But, you know, I had, I grew up in India, uh, in Mumbai. I had a very typical Bengali upbringing, so to speak. Like, uh, my parents were all about the learning and the school and the education. So ended up a lot of focus on that. I got into IIT, which is one of India's like, you know, top engineering schools, got a degree in computer science. This was over 20 years ago, came to the US with a PhD in computer science, started a job as a software engineer and then a data scientist. But then through all of this, I think by the time I reached my mid-30s, I had a you know fairly successful career, everything, you know, uh, and all of that, but it wasn't something that was fulfilling. It felt like a, a path that I kind of followed because it was set for me. And I had, you know, in some sense, a little bit unfortunate uh, situation of being, you know, the overly smart kid. So it's like one of those things in India where it's like, if you're smart, obviously you have to do the doctor or the engineer or whatever path, right? Like, you know, why would you not do that? So there was never kind of any, any exploration, an opportunity to explore. But as I started, like, you know, I, I was already feeling a little dissatisfied with my, with my career and how that was going. And then uh, around the same time, I'd been married for about seven years at that point and to somebody I'd met in the U.S. And when we, when we got married, we looked like any other, like, you know, straight hetero couple, except that in 2017, my partner came out as transgender and started the process of female to male transition. That was obviously a huge kind of turning point for both of us, right? And and the relationship. And that was interesting because for me, seeing how his life changed as he started the transition process, like it all went positive. It was like he was much more comfortable in his body. He his career started taking off, like really taking off. And then he was just mentally just happier, being more more himself and that started making me think really like what do I need to change to feel that way like to feel that self like true to myself feeling to me like I already had a hobby uh, photography was already a hobby like it was actually a pretty kind of serious hobby at that point my friends knew I was you know I was a good photographer I was taking headshots and like people were using my photos as profile pictures and I realized that I wanted to do that more seriously just like feeling that in my body and start trying to get that same sense of being true to myself. So I decided to go part-time in my tech job and then did that for a couple of years while I built up my photography skills. And then in mid-2020, you know, when the great resignation was happening, I started, which is still going on, 
I decided to jump on that trend and just jump into photography full time and build my own business. I love your story. I love your story. I think it is so beautiful and unique. And I'm curious how your journey of self-actualization and wanting to be your truest self, how does that influence now your approach to photography? Yeah, that is, that's definitely what I bring to photography, right? Like there's a, there's a little bit of a story behind that too. So when my partner came out as transgender, like, you know, obviously that brought a, brought a lot of soul searching both around my uh, you know professional life, but also personal life. Like we were trying to navigate this marriage. We're still married, but it was like a period of like, you know, transition for the, for the relationship, for everything else. So at that time I started doing, I did a course, a training course to become a sex and relationship coach because that partly it was just a way for me to process this whole kind of transition and understanding what was going on and what I wanted out of my own relationship and marriage. As I finished that course, I realized that wasn't something I wanted to do as a career, but there was something I wanted to bring it up from that into my work. And so I was like, okay, what, what do you get if you take sex and relationship coaching and photography? I decided, oh, I'm going to do boudoir photography because that seems like a good kind of, you know, intersection of the two. So I started with that as the idea for my genre that I, and I started building up my business around that. And then COVID happened in 2020. So I couldn't have clients in studio. And I was like, I kind of took a break from that and started thinking what I wanted to do. I realized that there was something about that that didn't quite satisfy me and quite work for me. From And the thing about that didn't work for me about boudoir photography was this idea that for a person, typically a woman, to look or to be sexy, you have to wear certain clothes and do certain poses. Like, you know, the only way to be sexy is to wear lingerie or be mute. The only way to like be sexy is to do these quote unquote sexy poses. And that didn't feel true to me because people are very, very different. And when you ask people, if you go around and I encourage you to do that experiment, ask your friends, whatever, with, what makes them feel sexy in their bodies, it is going to be different for every person. And most of them will not say necessarily say like lingerie or like whatever. Like, you know, for some people, sexy might be wearing like a perfectly fitted pair of jeans. Or some people, it might be, you know, sitting in a, in a bathtub. And so this idea that you have, you're putting people into a box and then deciding that is what sexy is, didn't feel right to me. Again, going back to like, the idea that I wanted to capture something more authentic about people. And so I started looking at, looking at branding, partly because I was only, that was one of the kinds of shoots I could do outdoors during COVID. So I started doing these branding shoots and I realized that that was, uh, I really enjoyed that because that gave me a way to like really dive into people's stories and really kind of bring something authentic out. So for me, like, you know, when I approach branding, I want to make it very different. What I don't like about branding right now, the personal branding photography space right now is the whole kind of Instagram aesthetic. And what I mean by that is like, everything has to be either pastel or has to be some combination of pastel, perfect, and positive. Like, I don't, I don't like that. Like, we are trying to, you know, we are trying to build a real connection with the audience. You as an entrepreneur, you're trying to build a real connection with your audience. So, if everyone around you is, you know, on Instagram or whatever, looks perfect and always positive and has the same aesthetic, 
then A, how are you going to stand out? And B, where is the connection? Connection comes when we are vulnerable. Connection comes when we are real, when we show something that's true, right? So what I want to capture about my clients is their story. And what I bring from my life is my own journey. So my own journey is to like be my own authentic self and find something true to myself is something I encourage my clients to do. And I have a process, like my process kind of helps kind of uncover like what is that that true kind of core that they want to convey and how do we show that visually? I love this so much. There's so many there's so many journeys that we can take right now. I'm having a hard time deciding which question to ask you next. Right. But you know, <laughs> when I when I I love how you started talking about the boudoir photography and your experience there, and you're disrupting the idea of what sexy is. And so I think in a way you're very much a disruptor in the personal branding space, but it's not just in the Instagram tendencies, I'll say, but it's also the idea of what is professional, right? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, when they think of branding photography, it's like, okay, let me, let me set up with my laptop in the coffee shop. Let me take a couple of pictures with my cell phone, like all, doing all of the professional, quote unquote, yeah. professional things. And I know that that's what I did when I first started. Yeah. So I have a lot of pictures of me looking like really jubilant with my laptop, which which is not <laughs> authentic. It's, it's, um, a new woman, it's a new women laughing with salad. Yeah. Women laughing with laptops. Yes, our phones. <laughs> That's it. That is it. That is it. So, so you have a lot of disruptive energy, which is amazing. As Are there any methods that you were initially taught that you are you know, throwing by the wayside to really show women in their true, authentic, professional, quote-unquote, self? Like, how do you disrupt traditional brand photography? Yeah. Uh, so there's so many things around there. Like, I, I'm going back to when I started learning photography seriously. It was mostly taking online courses, going to workshops with well-known photographers and stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that's taught there that's kind of very, almost toxic, I would say. Mm -hmm. Like, one idea, for example, is thinking about bodies like the one so for example the one thing that i was i was taught in like you know i remember taking this posing class very early on and the idea that behind the posing class the instructor pretty much said it flat out was that like no matter who you're shooting you want to make them look skinnier that is the the hundred person the main principle of posing and then he gave or you know they gave this both they this uh there was this like guide of like 120 poses or something that you know, a lot of beginner photographers use those kinds of guides. And then the idea was like, you know, for any, any kind of body. And I was like, wait, like all the, all the models in this posing guide are like basically super skinny professional models. So how does this apply to any body? And then the way to, to think about it is that the more you, an actual person's body deviates from that conventional body type, the fewer poses you can actually use. So by the time you get to somebody who's like a regular curvy woman, you can probably use like 10 of those 120 poses because it doesn't fit into like, you know, being looking, making them look more flattering or skinny or whatever. So that's one, one thing that I don't buy at all, right? You know, in terms of posing. The other thing I don't, uh, don't buy is that every professional photo or branding photo has to be like positive. And because I think we have a culture of like toxic positivity in, in branding, like everything has to look perfect. You have to always look happy. You have to, you can never talk about the hard stuff or the difficult stuff. 
never show any kind of like quote unquote challenging emotion like anger or sadness or frustration. And I don't buy that. Like most of my clients, I encourage them and I, I help them express some of that for two reasons. One is that I found that if you think of a photo session as a, you know, almost like a therapeutic session, right? You're like really kind of diving into uh, something that's that's deep into yourself. So having some kind of release of like sadness or anger actually helps you get to the fun stuff, get to get relaxed, get to like, get to the joy or the confidence or whatever. Like it's a lot less posed and a lot less like awkward once you've been able to release some of those things, especially for women, because women are so kind of discouraged from expressing certain emotions. Like, you know, you're allowed to cry. You're not allowed to be angry. I, I encourage some of those emotions. So having that release often helps you get to a place of much more relaxed, authentic expression. That's number one. Number two is that I actually want to show those emotions. What does it look like when, you, when you're frustrated? What does it look like when you're sad? What does it look like when you're angry? Why? Because you're probably encountering that in your real life. Your clients are encountering that in your real life. So why shouldn't you talk about it, right? If you are a branding coach and you're talking about, you know, talking to clients who are starting their own businesses, yes, you want to talk about what it feels like when you're frustrated and how to deal with that. So why not show that? What does it feel like when you're sad? What does it feel like when you get angry at something, whatever? So I think that leads to a much wider variety of emotion that is much more richer and authentic and vulnerable and and brings a much more deeper level of connection with the audience. So I want to throw this idea completely out that uh, that you only have to like smile for a camera. The other thing around professional thing, uh, the professional photography convention I want to throw out that I have, I have been is the idea of what uh, how you need to look and where. Like many of my clients, especially women who are I typically work end up working a lot with women who are in their late 30s and 40s and above. And they are very, very successful in whatever they have done before. And now they're transitioning to something else or building their own brand or whatever. But they've spent their life looking, you know, putting themselves in like these corporate gray suits and not being really able to express themselves, like being in touch with like their feminine side because they have had to succeed in this very masculine world and i want to bring out the idea that you can like the 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 biggest request i get from them when they talk to me about what kind of photos they want is i want to look confident but still look feminine mm-hmm. let's park take that unpack that a bit like there's so many assumptions that are going into that right the idea that you can only look confident in a certain way and you can't look confident while looking feminine at the same time where do those assumptions come from and why? That is bullshit, right? There's so many, just like there's so many ways of being sexy, there are many, many ways of being confident. Why are we just kind of attached this one idea of like confidence just has to be wearing a gray suit and doing some kind of stupid power pose or like, you know, like, you know, this hand folded or whatever, like you see in headshots. Why? Right? So that's an assumption that I also want to throw out. Like, I want to capture what it looks like for you to feel confident. Like you might look confident if you're wearing, like I know your photos are amazing. I've seen them on your website and you look so confident wearing like a bright yellow dress and just kind of like walking around, right? I mean, imagine yourself, you know, stuffed into like a gray corporate suit. That will just not carry the same energy. 
right? It wouldn't be authentic. And I think yeah. people can smell that. They can they can yeah. see that. They just know it's not real. So a hundred percent. And there's this there's this phrase that I have mixed feelings about, which is you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. And I think so often what we have seen are these really posed images of leadership that are really conforming to patriarchal white supremacist uh, standards. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so this is really kind of a, I mean, I don't want to say this is like a revolutionary act is, is creating these photos and images of ourselves. So we can be what we can't see, but we are creating and, those and images. Color for is us. a big part of that. Like, you know, like, yeah. you know, I come from a very colorful culture. Many of my clients who are POC, or, or not, like, you know, they come from very colorful cultures themselves, whether they're yeah. immigrants or children of immigrants or whatever, but they've kind of been forced to like subdue that and like kind of suppress that to fit into certain environments, right? But mm. I want them to bring that out in their shoots because that, you know, your, your culture and your background is part of who you are and it's part of your story. It's your strength. Let's bring that in. A thousand billion Trillion percent. You and I are still on the same page. We are definitely kindred spirits. Hey, if anything you're hearing today inspires you to get more visible as a go-to trusted voice for your audience and drive change towards your deeper mission, I've got something for you. LinkedIn is my favorite place to share my stories and build relationships with my co-conspirators and brand new friends. So I put together a free resource with 14 prompts to create your next post on LinkedIn. Take all the guesswork out of what to say and just start building your impact and influence. Be sure to tag me in your post so I can come by, cheer you on, and amplify your message. You can find those free prompts in the show notes. Okay, back to the episode. You and I are both storytellers at heart. We use different tools. We use different mediums. Mm -hmm. I use words and messages. You use images and photos, your camera lens. But, but it's all storytelling. And so I want to get tactical for a second, because this is the right. kind of stuff that I geek out on. Yeah. Um, I want to hear about your storytelling process, because I know I have a process, and I would love to learn from you your process. Like, How do you tease out each client's unique brand story? Because people are so close to their story. It's so, mm-hmm. they're so close to it, they almost can't see it. And right. so how do you come in and tease it out? Yeah, it's a very good question. Like, I... You know, I've, I've obviously not perfected this, but I've come out, I've kind of, so I have, you know, when I, when I talk to my clients first, it's always starts with the question, what's the story you want to tell? And that kind of, you know, goes through a few iterations through my process. So in my process, I first have a, have a call, like, you know, a consultation call in which we kind of try and get kind of the, the big picture view of the story. And then as we go through the rest of my process, sometimes the story remains the same. Sometimes, you know, clients will come back and be like, you know what, that, that one that, I, that where we talked about, I don't like it as much. Here's another one that I'd like to go with. But it's a back and forth process. With my experience in the last uh, year or so, I've seen about three different kinds of stories that are kind of categories of stories that I end up telling or helping clients with. So one example is talking about your own story or your, some, something about your own life journey. For example, I had a client who was a very successful entrepreneur, like a fortune, you know, whatever, 30 under 30 award or whatever, you know, one of those big ones, all of that. And then in her late 20s, she just burned out and had some kind of, you know, went through this transformational journey. And now she's a, a coach, a business coach for women entrepreneurs. So 
this is a story arc that that's a, that's a really wonderful story arc that makes it very very interesting and unique. And what we decided was we wanted to capture the emotional journey of that story. What did it feel like to be a successful entrepreneur who wasn't fulfilled? What did it feel like to get burned out? What did burnout look like for you? What did that transformational journey look like for you? What helped you in that transformation? Then what does today look like for you? Like what is, you know, what is your life? And once we start thinking about that emotional journey, we start thinking about what are like the various physical and visual components that will capture each stage of that journey. Like for this person, burnout looked like surrounded by a bunch of business books and having like, you know, kind of lying on the ground with their eyes closed, surrounded by a bunch of business books, looking absolutely kind of lost. You know, so that was, that was kind of like, you know, an expression of burnout for her. For her, like, you know, transformation, the, her transformation was enabled by like going back to finding her artist as a talent for drawing that, that she had given up as she got busy with her, with her corporate career. So now she's, she's picked up art again and that helps her, that helped her like, you know, find that true self for her. So we captured pictures of her like drawing and sketching and doing her art. Then, so various other like, like things of like that. So once we have the emotional arc, we can start putting in like what are the visual components to capture it. And the point there is that the fun thing there is like, regardless of, you know, you may not be the only person in that story. There may be a hundred people who have had those corporate transitions, but the specifics of what that looks like are different for each person. And that makes the photos unique for each person. That's one kind of story, like just capturing your own story. The second kind of story that, that often comes up is, what does it look like to, for somebody to work with you? So what is the journey that they, they go through? So this is typically I found works really well with like uh, coaches, especially coaches who are like more personal transformation or sex and relationship coaches who are guiding clients through some kind of emotional transformation. And who do like different kinds of exercises with their clients. So I had a coach I worked with who does breath work, hypnotherapy, and uh, certain other kinds of like techniques that she uses, which have a very visual component to them. Like one of the techniques is basically encouraging her clients. She encourages her clients, every client she works with to throw a tantrum on the floor. Mm, wow. That's point, like as a release, right? Yes. So we got basically for her, she wasn't like really excited about capturing her own story, but she was excited about showing the arc of a client and what yes. it looks like to work with her. So for her, like a you know, typical client is for her is somebody who's a corporate exec who's very burned out and like, you know, whatever, struggling with the problem. They look very frustrated. That frustration shows up in certain visual ways. Like they look very tense. They're like very buttoned up and closed off. And then as they work with her, like she leads them through various exercises that have that have like visual can be visually depicted and, you know, including throwing a tantrum or crying or whatever. And then eventually they get to a place of like relaxed and balance and stuff. So what she did, this person I got her to do was to enact the whole journey, embody the whole journey of her client. So put herself in her client's shoes and embody that. And why is that a good story? That's a good story because when you start talking about that, showing that say on your Instagram or whatever, you're showing empathy you're showing that you get what your clients are going through, which is a very powerful way to relate to your clients, even though it's not your own story necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the second kind. So there's the own story. There's the, what does it like, look like to work with your story? And then the third thing that, I, that I've found is sometimes it's just like a day in the life kind of story. So my favorite one is one a client I worked with recently who's an event planner. 
And she's building her own brand, her, her own business as an event planner and, and wants to be an event planning coach for like people who want to get into event planning, all of that. So for her, it was like what she wanted to depict was the arc of planning an event. Like what does it look like for her behind the scenes? What does she look like? And some of it starts out with like her just being surrounded by like a bunch of shit, where like, you know, papers and computer when she's planning stuff. And then sometimes it's like, you know, running around frantically, like arranging things like physically, uh, creating signs, creating whatever, the frustration, like the, the anxiety, and then the joy too. Like all the emotions that come up, we just kind of enacted like as if she was planning an event and what does it look like? Right. Right. The common thing about all of these stories is that like any story, since, you know, we are both into storytelling is a story has to have an arc, right? You can't, you know, a story doesn't have one emotion. It also always has like some kind of thing that you have to overcome, some kind of obstacle. And there is frustration and anxiety and, and doubt. And then you kind of do the, you know, drag, slay your dragon. And then you're on the other side and you emerge with some kind of transformation. Regardless of what the story structure is, like that's common across all stories. And when you incorporate that into a photo shoot, you automatically get a structure for like capturing different emotions rather than just me like kind of putting you against a wall and be like, now smile and now look sad. Or like, it's not like that. It's like you're kind of embodying that story. And so as you're embodying it, those authentic emotions start coming out and you are being supported by all the visual elements, like your outfit, your, the props we are using, like you know, all of that, that help tell that particular part of the story. That is such a deep and rich experience that would feel so therapeutic because you're right. Most of the personal branding photo shoots I see, it's just like the denouement of the story. It's just the end of the story. It's just the happy ending. That's right. all you see. Right. You don't get any of the other piece of it. And so the whole story is kind of lost. And, you know, your 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 process is so interesting to me as a, as a storyteller, geek out on this stuff, as I said, was one of the things that I always ask my clients about is like that defining moment in their life where they realize something had to change either for themselves or the people they work with. And so in your burnout example, I can see, I can see that, you know, it's kind of like the low point of the story, but the other piece is even beyond the happy ending. It's like, what is the future world that you're committed to creating? Mm -hmm. What is your vision? And so I'm just like getting excited over here because I think that adding the personal branding piece of that, ideation would be so powerful because then you can actually see yeah. the world that you're trying to create by like staging something. Right. Cause mm-hmm. my, so my vision is a world where like all individuals have the ability to create a platform of, of power and influence. Right. And so I'm just trying to think of what that might look like if I set up a branding photo shoot. I mean, I'm imagining of course the campfire circle, cause that's kind of my reimagined version of the, of the boardroom table, mm-hmm. people of all different backgrounds, shapes, sizes, looks, you know everything just around this fire like around the sunset that would be my big the the visual interpretation of my vision come to Mm -hmm. life so i got it i got it can you come to california (laughs) yeah i will yeah let's do it that sounds great the campfire circle perfect yes that's it sunset it's perfect yeah let's do that Uh, you you live near la right la is is great yes beautiful sunsets over there okay so i have a maybe a personal question i don't know but I would love to know as a fellow Bengali, as a fellow Bengali creative, mm-hmm. um, what are the mental or mindset blocks that you have overcome to really accept that this is your purpose, your pathway, and not not being a doctor, not being a data scientist? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 
That's such a good question. I think, you know, growing up Bengali in India meant that, like, there's two sides to it. One side is the fact that, you know, if you're growing up in a middle-class Bengali family, it's all about, like, got to go to school, you got to do well in school, you got to, like, you know, become the doctor, engineer, all of that. Like, there is an emphasis on professions that are respectable, that are intellectual, and that have high security, which makes sense. Uh, and Bengalis have a reputation for that, right? For being intellectual and all, and and those stereotypes are based in some degree on reality. Uh, so definitely that was. And the the one thing that you know I got from my Bengali upbringing, which I think I really had to overcome, was attitudes towards business and money. Like growing up, it was always like oh, like for what I heard from my parents or from my uncles or whatever was like, oh, Bengalis, like, you know, they don't do business. Like, we don't do business. We, you know, business is for like other people. Uh, we are like the smart people. We're like, you know, the intellectual people, whatever. Like, we don't do business. It's beneath us. Money, you know, thinking about money is beneath us. It's a measure of how smart you are, but going and doing a business is like is... And especially a service business is not cool. It's not living up to your whatever. So that was that was something I really struggled with. Like the idea that it was it was almost like it was a negative script that I had to overcome quite a bit. I also obviously there is a I had to overcome a lot of like I would say shame. Shame is a good word here about you know not really living up to my potential, not really kind of like you know, fulfilling my parents' dreams, like all of that shit, because, you know, there's a lot of guilt that comes with that, guilt and shame that, oh, like, you know, I'm supposed to be this really smart person who, you know, has a PhD in computer science, all of that, and like, I'm just throwing that away. And that's another mindset block that was really hard to, and I'm disappointing everybody, and I'm not, you know, around me, I'm not living up to that, that expectations and stuff. And I've heard that, in different variations of that from many, many kind of immigrant people or people who are children of immigrants too. Uh, that can be hard. On the positive side though, uh, if you know anything, I mean, you know, if you will, since you're acquainted with Bengali culture, there is also a huge like artistic tradition that Bengalis have. Like, you know, Bengalis are not just the nerds, they're also the artists. And there are a lot of people, Bengali people who are, you know, singers, dancers, photographers, artists of all kinds. And I like to think that I'm kind of tapping into those traditions a little bit and leaning that on. And that kind of gets me, that kind of gets me going in a positive way. In fact, in my last trip uh, to India, which was in, uh, I spent two months in India in early 2020, just before COVID. This was after I kind of quit my tech job and like just started around, started my photography kind of journey. I started introducing, I traveled all around India, uh, just, you know, some of it was seeing families, seeing friends and so on. And I started introducing myself as an artist and a photographer and just seeing India literally through that lens. And that was such a revelation for me. That was amazing because I started, I went to like a bunch of art festivals and galleries and met artists and photographed some of them. And I got to meet a lot of this a lot of amazing contemporary art that's going on in India got, got in touch with that. And that was very powerful for me because that showed me a side of India that I had never been connected to even while growing up there. 
a side of Indian culture because that wasn't accessible to me. And so that also was very powerful for me as a, as a creative and being like, okay, like, you know, I'm not alone in this. I'm part of a huge tradition, artistic tradition that India and Bengal has that I just hadn't been exposed to before, but I can, I can expose myself to it now. Yes, how powerful that is. You're tapping yeah. into that tapestry and that lineage that, mm-hmm. uh, that really is so strong. I, I, that really resonates for me. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. That's going to really, I, I love that. I love that. So, so as we wrap up, I ask every guest the same question. Um, and we talked a little bit about vision, you know, the future world that we're committed mm-hmm. to creating. And so what is your big dreamy vision for the world? Yeah. I want to see a world where everybody gets to tell and be their story as it is and not censor themselves, not kind of code switch all the time. Like just everybody gets to be who they are as much as possible and they are respected and welcomed for it. Let's build that world together. I'm in. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, this is such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. Um, How can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way to check out my work is my website. That's seriesaphotography.com. And then you can always email me. I'm just raj at seriesaphotography.com. You can also check me out on Instagram, but I'm not really big on social media. I, I like LinkedIn tend to be hang out there a bit, but my website is probably the best place to check out what I'm up to. Well, you have some incredible case studies and not even testimonials, but like stories of how you've worked with people on your site that really brings people through the journey. And it's, it's super well done. And we'll stick that in the show notes so everybody can easily access that too. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, thank you so much for being on. I'm, I feel so much better because of this conversation i'm going to carry this conversation around with me and continue to kind of process and and uh and take what i need from it so thank you for being you you're welcome thank you for having me this is really fun i've been looking forward to this for a while what'd you think leave us a review on apple podcasts or even better reach out and let me know through lumosmarketing.co yes that's lumos as in the illumination spell from harry potter because when you shine, magical things happen. You can get social with me on LinkedIn. And of course, check out the show notes to stay in touch with our guests. Let's talk soon.